Test, test. And we're recording. Oh, yeah, that's a good test. Record, record. Uh, is, is everybody ready? Mm, Might as well sort be. Of. Maybe. Wow, resounding for a Monday. This is the AT Banter Podcast. A balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to yet another episode of AT Banter. Banter. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was such a Monday cowbell. And the cowbells hurt. I'm going gonna, gonna to try that again. Banter. Banter. There we go. Much better. I am Rob Mano, today joined by Mr. Ryan Flurry. Uh, hello. <laughs> and... Oh man, this is going to be a fun show. <laughs> and Steve Barkley. Hola. Uh, yes, it is Monday. We're sitting here in the Guitar Dungeon recording. What are we doing today, Ryan? Today is a new show. News. That's right. It is our, what What are we doing this month? Isn't there a, isn't there a Blues news? Clues new song or something? Steve, sing the song. I don't. We can, can we get any copyright strikes? No, I think uh, you're thinking of the uh, mail song. Oh, is it mail? Yeah, I don't think there's a news song. Okay. I S- thought you'd be- sing the mail song. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail. Beautiful. Well, do we have any mail, though? <laughs> no. no. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to cut that up. I'm going to use that as our, uh, <laughs> when we do have mail. <laughs> no, that that is from Blue's Clues. I think we could probably get sued for using that on a regular basis. <laughs> hey, we get email. Woohoo! <laughs> It's a remake. What's the, I don't know, what's the copyright against uh, remakes? I don't know. All right. Uh, yes, that's right. It's it's our, what are we, monthly news show? Yep. Uh, where we just talk about stuff. Stuff. And yep. there is stuff to talk about. There, There's a few, few stuffs to talk about. I, I have to admit, though, full disclosure, I'm woefully unprepared uh, today because uh, I've been dealing with a terrible computer issue for like the past week to 10 days. Speaking of which, did you get it sorted out with the Windows 10 disk? No, well, I haven't been able to do that yet because oh, I'm, okay. I'm working on this this little side project mm. and I can't really really reformat my computer until then. But yeah, no, I've, I've been caught in this terrible update loop. Oh, no. Windows. Yeah, well, what's happened is the, the latest... Uh, uh, fall creators update that came out mm-hmm. for whatever reason my computer does not want to take it hmm. uh, when it first came out i tried to i tried to install it and what happens is it uh, goes about three quarters of the way through the update and then it hangs and i have to hard reboot the machine and then it rolls it back to my previous version of windows and that's where i'm at and so um that was fine until recently when some of the windows security updates needs that falls creator update and really started harassing me like every hour it was going to download the update and try to install it uh if i left my computer like for any amount of time so i must i've probably downloaded that damn thing like 20 times now and (laughs) it hangs my computer every time so i can't really do anything on my computer and so I tried to to do a uh, a reset of the of the PC, and that didn't work. And I tried to do a complete format, um, and that didn't work either. Ooh. So it's I'm thinking maybe it's a hardware issue. I don't know. Uh, Rick gave me a, a Windows 10 disk to try to do a clean, complete clean uh, install of Windows 10, and then see if it'll take the update then. But I don't know what I'm going to do because, you know, you can't, even if you turn off, like I went into the services and turned off Windows Update, but when it's tied to those security updates, you can't turn those off. Like they still, they will not let you run a PC hmm. uh, without the latest security updates. And if you, those security updates are tied to the latest version of Windows, forget it. So it's either that 
or I'm, I might have to roll back my, my PC and, and to Windows 7. Have you Googled the problem or other people having this? Yeah, I did. I tried to. So <laughs> not you, Google. You didn't even say, okay, Google. No, see, we didn't say that. He just did. Well, I did, but he didn't. <laughs> Go back to sleep. It's Monday. Um, yeah, I, I did. I tried to look it up, and, and uh, I couldn't really find much in the way of... of uh, of any information, although Rick did mention that he looked it up and he seemed to to find some Asus hardware problems. Yeah. So it could very well be it's a hardware issue. There are computers that just won't take the Windows 10 update. Yeah, and I don't know what those people do, like, to be honest. Like, because if, if, you know, Microsoft is, is serving you that update and trying to do that update all the time. There's probably, well, if you're running Windows 7... Gibson Research has a tool called Never 10 you can install, and it'll never prompt you to install Windows 10. Well, you won't have that But issue if you're anymore. on Windows 10, there's probably a registry hack. You can turn that off. Have you gone to the ASUS website and made sure all of your BIOS and everything else is up to date? No, I have not. That might be a place to start. Oh, that's a good, that's a good suggestion. Yeah. So once I'm done this project, anyways, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be able to get it sorted out. But... Um, right uh right now so i don't have any of my bookmarks or anything i didn't have my you know the twitter account everything is you know was was i'm basically working from a clean machine so i the lo- the point of that story was i'm woefully unprepared <laughs> <laughs> that's my excuse not a good thing you have your smartphone in front of you yeah whatever indeed and we can look at links mm-hmm. uh anyways all right, well, let's start uh, talking about this story. This It's a local story, so, uh, you know, people who are outside, um, you know... British e- Columbia. British Columbia may not uh, find this terribly interesting, but it could happen to you. Trust us. Um, and if, it, if you don't think it can, then just fast forward until you hear the sound of the cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, back in, I believe it was 2014... Uh, CNIB handed off their audiobook library to a organization called CELA, C-E-L-A, uh, Canadian, Canadian Equitable. Equitable Library Association, is that right? I believe so. And it, it, it's essentially turning the, the CELA library into a, a national project. Um, uh, in order to get access to the CELA library, uh, Provinces and library systems have to buy in and pay a certain amount in to help operate the uh, the library. And this is all this is all audiobooks, is that right? This is all audiobooks. Uh, well, no, it's not all audiobooks because they also provide uh, Braille books as well. Uh, what, large so print. It, so it, it's alternative format. They, I believe, they do large print as well. Um, so they they do a variety of of formats. Um, anywho. Um, not all provinces bought into it, uh, British Columbia being one that uh, kind of did it piecemeal. So um, there were about 17 uh, library uh, districts that paid for it, and that provided funding to about 80% of the province. Um, the remaining 20, CNIB had, I guess, some kind of bridge funding, which would provide uh, funding for the, the other ones who didn't buy into it. Uh, but that is now expiring. And uh, uh, as a result, uh, districts that are not paying into it will no longer have access to that library. Uh, so this woman who uh, lives in Port Moody, her library system is one of the ones that has not paid into it. And she is now circulating a petition to try and convince them to uh, to fund it. Um, there's also talk that the education ministry may may fund uh, access across the province for the CELA uh, library, but that's still, I guess, in negotiation as well. So her concern is she's losing access to the CELA library. And then, of course, there's a competing library service called uh, uh, NELS, N-N-E-L-S, uh, which, oh, what does that stand for? I think for? it's the National Equitable Library Service. National, now, who National, that? National Network for Equitable Library Services, services. Uh, and that was that was started at the same time in BC uh, through the BC Libraries Cooperative, 
uh, but they've got significantly fewer titles. Uh, right now, I think they've got somewhere around 30,000 titles. Sela mm-hmm. uh, has considerably more than that. Well, well who, runs, who runs that one? Uh, it's run by a, a BC Library Cooperative. Well, see, that seems insane See, that's to me. the problem. It should be all publicly run just like your public libraries. Well, yeah. What's one the point of having system. two of these things, yeah. one that's not as good as the other? Yeah, it doesn't... It They're doesn't, cannibalizing each other. It doesn't make a lot of sense, and, and I don't know why there's there's two different ones and who got whose nose out of joint and, <laughs> or, and so forth. But, but anyways, BC Libraries decided they were going to go it on their own. Um, they now... Ha- their library is available uh, across the country. Um... Uh, I think there might be a couple provinces where it's not available. Oh, uh, uh, Ontario and Quebec are, are not involved in the uh, Nels thing. Um, oh, but, see, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. But uh, Nels only provides audiobooks, to my knowledge. They don't provide any other alternative format. They don't do Braille. They don't do large print, so far as I know. So there, there are some differences between the services, um, and, and there's good reasons why somebody would want to uh, maintain their, their SELA access, because, you know, more titles, more alternative formats. Well, but what this seems insane to me, like this is, this is a huge hole uh, of, with the service. I mean, how long did CNIB have the library for and, and, and ran it? I mean... Years, years, oh, and yeah. years, right? Well, probably, yeah, right, and, right from the outset, I imagine. And I'm assuming that the reason why they gave it over to the government was that they, they were just having problems funding it is that well it, it this is a service that was being used all across the country and it was being expanded uh out people who were not visually impaired such as people with dyslexia other learning disabilities were also accessing this library so it didn't really make sense for cnib the national institute for the blind to right to be funding this themselves and, and bearing all the costs themselves. It really should have been a an audio and alternative format library run by the government, um, either provincially or, or federally. So to me, it makes sense that it got spun out. Uh, you know, it, it sure. was, it was I get, a, that's true. I it was a drain that. on CNIB and their, and their core services. So, um, you know, uh, the, the, I guess the, the big million dollar question is who's putting in the million dollars <laughs> so well it's the old adage if you want to screw something up give it to the government to run with and they'll but well, i mean well, but why is why why did the bc government decide that this was, wasn't a service well and i mean i know i don't know why i'm asking you but but i'm just putting the, the question out there it makes you wonder like why did the government just not decide that that this was something that they didn't think was worth funding yeah i didn't i didn't follow the politics of it i think um when uh, i i believe what happened is when bc was originally asked to buy in uh they looked at the price tag that they were being asked to pay and went whoa no we, we we're not going to pay that kind of money yeah um and then a bunch of them decided to strike off on their own mm. create, create an alternative to it uh i guess because they figured they could do it cheaper that's awful. I mean, that's awful. I mean, 20%, that's a lot of people that that are not going to have access to the service that, that you know, rely on this service. Well, and access to the amount of books that are available. Like Steve said, I think the, the Nels service, like he said, has about 30,000 titles. The CELA library, I think a couple hundred thousand titles, you know. So your variety to choose from is much, much larger with the CELA system. Yeah. And it should be funded just like any public library. You well, know, why do or, we need all these systems? Or then, you know what, let, uh, let create a loophole where somebody who's living in Port Moody can get a Vancouver library card right. so that they can actually access these services. I mean, at least do that. If you're not going to, you know, or g- give these other, this other 20% of the libraries, just, you know, let them in. Like give give them access to the service. I know it's unfair to the eighty percent that did pay in, but at the same time, you know the long and the short of it is, if you you've got thousands of people who rely on the service that aren't going to have access to these books, uh, that's just not right. Yeah, realistically, it's probably hundreds, but um, all the same, you know. I was being dramatic, Steve. Come on, <laughs> work with me. Millions. <laughs> Sorry. Gazillions of people are being <laughs> robbed of their right to read. 
Uh, yeah. Anyways, it, it, by hook or by crook, somebody's got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. It's uh, it's frustrating. So, yeah, I should spin that story off. Oh, wait, do we need the cowbell sound? <laughs> <laughs> New story. <laughs> Hang on. There we are. There Boom. Go. Boom. Uh, yeah, there's a related story. Well, not a related story, but it's it's also a local story uh, about TransLink and what, news. An- another local story? Another, I know. <laughs> another local story. Okay, okay guys, well, wait, sorry, so ignore sorry the cowbell. That. Yeah, ignore that last cowbell. So fast forward to the next cowbell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we promise that one. We'll be talking about something not local. <laughs> It'll be more, more relevant. Uh, no, TransLink announced last week that uh, they are ready to launch their hands-free access system for people with disabilities. They're fair uh, the fair gates uh, on our SkyTrain system. Ooh, how many years has that been? Uh, two. <laughs> I want to say two. It could be three by now, though. Um, so, you know, kudos to the... So, for people who... No, no, no kudos. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> no kudos for Translink. That was a slightly sarcastic kudo. Um, Jesus. Kudo. No, you, if, so for people who may be uh, unaware of what's been going on, we they three, four years ago, I don't know, I don't even know how long it's been, uh, the uh, Translink uh, put in these fare gates at our um, elevated train system. And let's, let's actually, let's go back a little bit further just to give some people context. Okay, go for it. So, so TransLink is a, uh, is a, a body of appointed um, people who oversee the transit system and the development of roadworks in the greater Vancouver area. They get taxes from things like gasoline and and probably some from property tax and so forth not exactly sure where all the where all the funding comes from but um but they're appointed they're non-elected and they make all the decisions about about how our money is being spent for for roads and buses now skytrain when it first came in it was brought in 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 1986 for the world expo that was here and it was a big deal because it was it was this beautiful overhead rail system and uh, um, pretty fancy, pretty uh, pretty nice, pretty comfy to travel on. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a beautiful system. Yeah, think of it as a monorail, basically. Yeah, um, but quite expensive compared to a lot of other options. So it was you know roundly debated before it went in, and it finally got put in. Then, as they started to expand on it, the debate cropped up again. Hey, do we want to continue doing this? Because there's cheaper options. We could do more with less. And and but at the end of the day, everybody kept opting for SkyTrain. Now, when SkyTrain was originally built, you walked up, you bought a ticket, you walked onto the SkyTrain, you went to where you were going, you got off. Then they introduced this theory of zones. So Vancouver on SkyTrain covered three different zones, and you had to buy the right number of zones on your ticket to get from point A to point B. So people were sort of abusing that. Plus, there were people who were well, just not buying tickets at all and were just walking onto SkyTrain. Yeah, you you want to you want to add that? I mean, there was no turnstile system. There was no. You just walked right on there. You you basically they relied on the honor, uh, the honor system. The honor yeah. system, and yeah. and they had they they would have like uh, well, initially it was just um, TransLink employees doing random ticket ticket checks, uh, and then they brought in the TransLink. Police. Yeah, then they created TransLink Police because, you know, they, they couldn't have just regular transit employees walking around putting themselves at risk and getting in confrontations with people. <laughs> they wanted trained police. So so they hired a whole bunch of cops and, and they're they're properly trained cops and uh, and now the cops are going around and, and, and checking tickets. Well, then they decided that, you know, there's got to be a better way. Like, how can we actually get people to pay to get on the SkyTrain. Well, and we should add though too. Um, so, you, the the transit police would would do ticket checks, and if you were found riding the SkyTrain without a without a ticket, you'd you'd get a a ticket. Right. Uh, it was like a hundred and I don't know. You'd get a bucks. fine. Yeah. Yeah. You'd get yeah. You'd, basically a fine. Uh, but that 
fine had no teeth at all. You didn't have to pay it. No, nope, you didn't have to pay it. There, there was, and for the longest time, they weren't even tracking who who had tickets. They were just relying on people just paying them. Again, so, the honor system. Yeah. Uh, so, so they they were, were losing a lot of money that way. Yeah. So they uh, they uh, figured we're losing millions of dollars on on these uh, on these fare evaders. So they decided they were going to look into this. So they sent representatives from TransLink all over the world to places with major tra- transit systems. They sent them to England. They sent them to Japan. They sent them to Tokyo. Sent them all over the place on the taxpayer's dime to investigate what could we possibly do for this. Now, that annoyed the crap out of me right off the start <laughs> because I think that could have been done with phone calls. Mm-hmm. Hey, Japan, what's going on? Oh, we have fair gates. You know? Hey, England, what's going on? Oh, well, you know, we, we use those jolly fair gates. You know? but, but no, they had to fly everywhere and, and, and investigate it personally. So then they came back and they hatched this plan for fair gates. Well, they couldn't just do it with, you know, an inexpensive turnstile or something like that. No, it had to be RFID, radio frequency identifier tags in every ticket, and they had to put in these automated fare gates. The cost for putting in this system was vastly more than they were losing in in fare evasion, and the maintenance on this system is vastly more than they were losing on fare evasion. It was simply the dumbest decision (laughs) ever. They could have just left the gates off, left it on the honor system, and had a little bit of checks here and there, but no, no. Instead, they had to come up with this, this Cadillac solution. Well, they installed their Cadillac solution, and guess what? People with disabilities couldn't get through it. Yeah. yeah so People here's in yes. Wheelchairs so, are stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the problem. Here's here's the problem when they put it in. So basically, they put it in, and the you know the place where you need to tap the card uh, is I don't know, probably. Well, it's it's fairly high up. So yeah, it's, it's, it's elevated so, and and it's fairly small target. It's only about uh, a, a circle around maybe five inches in diameter. Yeah. So I mean, essentially, somebody who's in a wheelchair has mobility issues. They may not be able to take their ticket out and you know put it you know tap it in the right spot. Uh, and so they put in the fare gates and then they, it seems like then they realize this. Yeah. So <laughs> nice, nice research translink. They, they, well done. <laughs> so they put these, they put these gates in and for probably six months they were like, damn, what? Well, they couldn't get the, the system working properly to begin with. So yeah, it was taking too long. It, it wasn't was, fast yeah, enough. So there's all kinds of problems. So they actually put in the gates and then just left them open mm-hmm. for the longest time. Um, and yeah. then they realized they had this, this access issue. Um, you know, the people with disabilities um, were having trouble, you know, actually tapping the cards. So they worked on it for a while, it seems. Uh, and then one day they just decided, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to close the gates and we'll just say, hey, if you're having access issues, call this number uh, and an attendant will, you know, come and help you open the gate. Because everybody in a powered wheelchair has a phone and can dial it at their convenience any old time, right? We all know that, sure. Well, yeah. And I mean, not only that, they have to wait 10, 15 minutes for someone to show up and get there. It's not like there are In the pouring rain. Yeah. It's (laughs) not like there are attendants at every single um, SkyTrain station. So it's been a huge issue. And they just went, like, they just went ahead and closed those gates. And that was their solution for years, for years since they closed those gates. That's that's just been good enough for them. Uh, so fast forward to today and the story from last week, and now you'll see why our kudos was sarcastic, is that they have finally implemented a solution for this after two years uh, where I, and now I guess the, there's it's still RFID technology, but I'm assuming that it's it's more of a distance thing. Like the it, it's a stronger reader, right? It, it can just read at a greater distance. So they are yes, but still they're still rolling that out. Like this is this announcement is just basically hey we figured out how to do this. They're they're still yeah, talking. Nice it's work, going to be next summer sometime when before they really start rolling it out. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, which is insane to me. That's you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be have been close to, I don't know, two years, three years 
uh, that this this solution has just been, you know, a, it, it hasn't been a solution. It's that solution has been in the works. And that's crazy to me for, for you know, you know, this combined with the story about the the CELA library is infuriating. Yeah. Now we're pissed. We used to be tired. <laughs> we were tired earlier, but now we're just angry. Well, and you know, all it would have taken for TransLink is to reach out to some of the advocacy groups, even CNIB, and say, hey, guys, let's have a meeting and see how we can, you know, sol- solve this. And I don't know if that ever happened. Well, there were you know. there were definitely people who were consulting with TransLink uh, early on around the Fairgate thing. Um, you know, I know I know one visually impaired guy who was was quite active uh, with it, but um, but obviously they didn't pay a lot of attention to people right. with physical disabilities. Yeah, you know, because well, the issue the issue has never really been uh, an issue of people with visual impairments, other than knowing uh, where you need to tap mm-hmm, your card. Right. Um, but um, but for for physical disabilities, it's been a joke right out of right mm-hmm. out of the gate. No pun intended. Yeah, but I mean, look, uh, their history with with uh, accessibility has not been great across the board. I mean, no. even bl- uh, like, you know, vision vision related. Look how long they took to put down those uh, tactile strips right. along the tracks. Yeah, to warn people where the edge of the track was. You know, how many people had to fall in there? Before they actually took action, there, I mean, they, there were a bunch of people who fell in there. They never really, you know, uh, looked at accessibility when they built any of those stations or anything, and and that just went, you know, unserviced for years. Well, and the other thing, you know, that I've heard on the news in the past, you know, six to eight weeks, from people who used the the transit system is why doesn't TransLink have an app that people can look at to see where systems are down, see where trains are delayed you know, get update information all in one place. TransLink doesn't have an app. There's no way to communicate with TransLink. I, uh, really? Yeah, I, there's I, no they, app. I there's a TransLink app. I think they have an app. I, but not, but, it, but not I don't think it does that. I understand, yeah. I, it, it, I think it's just a... Maybe it's just a buses. I think it's like a trip planner thing. But it does. there's no announcements as to train delays or yeah. outages or... You know, that's just something I heard on the news in the last little while that mm. they need to come up with this app so they can keep their. It might be that they that need to come up with a better app that actually Maybe. does all that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <clears throat> tra- um, Translink's my favorite. Can you tell? Well, I I bet you we could talk about ICBC for a long time too. Oh, what, why? What do ICBC do this week? <laughs> a billion dollars in debt. <laughs> well, that's because in the first nine months of the year. <laughs> that's because the government, the previous government, was basically plundering it. Yeah, they've been plundering it for years to balance their budgets. Oh look, we balanced our budget. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, your insurance rates are going to go up. That's not a tax. Up no. and up and up. We're just going to rename this podcast the Grumpy Old Man <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> just going to complain about stuff. Well, how about Trump cutting Medicare? Oh come on, don't Cancel, get him started. Canceling Meals on Wheels. And... No, but I mean, uh, you know, it's it's frustrating <laughs> that you know we we're and and you know I'm sure that every locality. You know, all the listeners, whoever's listening to this, I'm sure, you know, your local government is dropping the ball in terms of accessibility somewhere as well. I don't know. I just like to, I'd like to think that, you know, BC, Canada, you know, we're, we're better than, than a lot of places, but uh, we're just not like, we are not. And it's frustrating. Hey, it's somebody in the news recently, was it Norway? That was talking about accessibility and... Is that the story I sent you about how... Maybe. Um, their entire transit system is now That's probably what accessible. it was, yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It's I like, got TransLink, pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, they, see, they clearly didn't talk to the guy in Norway. That was, they just talked to Japan and England. <laughs> or Steve just didn't want to do a Norwegian accent. <laughs> It's fine. I can do a new region. But they didn't get called. That's right. <laughs> no one asked us about our transit system. <laughs> we could have told them in a phone call. <laughs> but who wants to go to Norway in February? Oh, wait. Did I send that to you on Facebook, maybe? Uh, no, I think it was email, but I don't remember. It was a little while ago. It's all right. Rob can find it. Link to it in the show notes. 
Yes, I yeah, can. I just don't remember the details of it, which yeah. is a bigger issue. What 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 was the crux of it? Maybe we can Norway's uh, train system being fully accessible. Norway or their transit system. Uh, I don't really see any news stories about. Yeah, well, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if it's even Norway. <laughs> could have been could have been Finland for all we know. No, just make up Norway, a story. Norway seems to stick in my mind. Holland, uh, maybe Denmark. Denmark. Oh, Denmark. for Christ. Look for Denmark. Giving kudos to the wrong country. <laughs> Bunch of Norwegian people are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> we don't have a train system. <laughs> <laughs> we have Uber. That's right. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to everybody. Don't come to, don't come <laughs> here for news or any sort of accurate information. Just, That's right. We just wing stuff at the wall. See right. what sticks. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> That's right. We are the epitome of fake news. <laughs> but we admit it. No, no turning up under Denmark. Hmm. Oh, well. Anyway, well, I'm sure there's a country out there. Yeah, <laughs> that gets the AT banter brand of approval. Yeah. I think I think the lesson here is when we send articles to each other that are newsworthy, we should probably keep them all in one place. Good idea. Maybe maybe we'll create okay. a Dropbox folder for that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Uh, all right. Anyways, what are we talking about next? Let's see. Let's bring up the list here. Let's talk about the HomePod. Okay, hold on. Wait. Doug. <coughs> My poor remotes. <laughs> yeah, really. it's gonna be like Linda's gonna be like, "Why is the TV remote not working?" That's right. Uh, I think the drumstick's right beside your foot on the ground, right? Which foot? This foot? Your left foot. Yay! All right. <laughs> oh, you can't. You're, you can't even reach it. Clearly, we're ones to talk about accessibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't made the, drum, the cowbell accessible. Uh, uh, okay, you want to talk about the HomePod? Yeah, let's talk about the HomePod, yeah. seeing as it's going to be released on the 9th. Okay, so what, what, what was the, the big news last week? I guess basically that they've started taking pre-orders for it, right? I think pre-orders started on Friday. Yep. It's got its FCC approval, so yep. you can start ordering it. All right, well, tell first of all, uh, tell people who may not know what the heck the HomePod is. Tell them what it is. The HomePod is Apple's answer to your speaker, like the Google Homes or the Amazon Echoes. But it really falls short. Okay. Well, falls short. What do you mean it falls short? It falls short. I heard that it had amazing audio quality. Supposedly, it does have amazing audio quality. But mm -hmm. there are news articles and reviews saying you can't ask it random questions like you can the other assistants. Really? Siri won't answer you. You cannot also use it with a Google phone. You can't use it with Android. There's only even certain Apple devices that are supporting it. So you have to have at least the minimum of the iPad 5th generation. I think the iPod minimum is 6, and of course anything newer, and the latest iPod generation. It doesn't support Bluetooth at this point in time, but neither did Google Home when it first came out. So in order to use it as a speaker, you need to use AirPlay, which is built in. Which is fine if you're an Apple fan person and you have AirPlay on your phone and you subscribe to Apple Music because it only works with Spotify if you're playing it from your phone first and then you AirPlay it to the HomePod. Right. So you can't say, hey Siri, play whatever, whatever on Spotify. It won't work. Hmm. You got to play it from your phone first and then AirPlay it to the speaker. Now, okay, so is, is the fact that you can't use any Android device at all with it, is that a bit, like, can you, is, is it possible to do it the other way around? Like, if you have a, a home, are you able to use your iPhone with the home? Sure. You can install the, I believe, the home app. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So that is a big deal. So that's. It is. You know, and I think for Apple people, I was, I was actually going to try to get Dave Nason on the show again today and then just kind of let it go to kind of get his opinion uh, being from Apple Viz, um, you know, $400 speaker or $349 US that can't answer random questions, doesn't have Bluetooth, or if Bluetooth isn't enabled at launch, 
Um, doesn't work with Spotify unless you're, you know, casting from your phone. It seems to have a lot of limitations at launch. Okay, well, I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute and just say that, but that's that's not necessarily unusual for a first-generation device. Uh, you know, the Home, the Echo, you know, they had their limitations too when they first launched. They did, but Apple's now had three years of watching Amazon, two years of watching what Google's doing. They could have came up with a HomePod at launch with this stuff already ready to go. True. Um, but it could be perhaps that they knew that they were making a device for a specific audience, uh, and, and namely people who wanted to stay within the Apple ecosystem. They knew they were they were sort of preaching to the choir, so maybe they didn't feel that they needed to to build any of that stuff in. I think if you look at the news articles too, it doesn't <clears throat> you can't use it to ask Siri what's on your calendar. Some basic functionality is missing as well. Right. So I don't know if you have some of the news articles there that I had sent you links to. Yeah, well, I read, I read, I read, did read through some of the, the reviews that you sent. Um, I don't know. At launch, it seems pretty limiting. <laughs> I think, you know, like you say, for the Apple fanboys who already subscribe to Apple Music, who maybe don't need Spotify, don't need the calendar integration, and are fine, you know, airplaying stuff from their phone to their speaker, if they've got a supported phone or iPad device, great. More power to them. You know, it's another speaker that people have, you know, the choice to buy. But I think at the same time, you know, the Amazon Echo Dot, $49. The Google Home Mini, $79. Um, you know, there's other choices. You know, like I was saying to you on the weekend, I have a Google Home Mini connected to my Chromecast, which is connected to my home theater. Yeah. So I've got the best audio I can have in here with those two devices, which are, you know, under $200 combined. And I have the full power of the Google Assistant. Well, you know, and again, I, I think that that, I mean, look, I'm being in the Google ecosystem now uh, because I have, you know, I, I'm in the same way. Right? I have, a, I have a, a home now and I have a Chromecast and I've got an Android phone and I love it. I love being tied together all all in one and being able to sync any device with, with anything. I can switch between what I'm playing on. It's great. So I can understand if you're, if you're an Apple person, if you, you have a Mac, if you have an iPhone, I can understand the appeal of wanting to bring in a device and stay within that ecosystem. But so it has to be a supported device. I, I, think, I think the main problem with the, with the HomePod is that it's just too expensive. They need some, some variations on this thing like, I don't think it's too expensive because uh, the Google Home Max is four hundred dollars. You know, wait, it's going to have the high quality as well. Wait, wait, this is their this is their standard. Yes, this is their HomePod. This is their standard. Oh, this speaker. isn't even the big Th one. Yes, this is this is the big one. This is, this the, is one. the Google Home Max competitor. This okay. is their three hundred and forty nine dollar okay. speaker array well, that you can put in the corner. It detects the sound and the well, walls. And, but my point is that for somebody who's not an autofile autofile that that or audiophile that doesn't care about sound they need a they need an $80 version to buy an echo thing. dot or a google well, home mini <laughs> but but that's i mean that apple needs three versions of this thing like like home and and amazon uh they need a a, a cheap one they need a sort of a mid-range one and then they need a an expensive one starting starting the party with uh the home pod with this thing that, you know, somebody who's living in an apartment, what the hell do they need with a, with a speaker like that? Let me, let me just play the role of the Apple enthusiast here. <laughs> Can you do an accent? Does it, do it, does it have an Apple logo on it? Probably. Good enough. <laughs> okay, come on. Okay. Because Siri is baked into it and it sounds like it's half baked. You can't well, even say, hey, Siri. What's the population on New York? Well, we know you that, can't ask it a question. Yeah, but we know that Siri is <laughs> is has never been the greatest. It was the first out of the gate, but it's never really been the, the greatest in terms of uh, of being a useful digital assistant. The one thing we have to give Apple much much credit for is they say that all your communication with your HomePod is encrypted. So security to Apple has always been a high priority. With Google Assistant, Amazon Echo, 
supposedly, I guess that stuff's not encrypted, so it's out there for the world to hear. Oh, wait a minute. What? <laughs> you, wait, wait. Does yeah. it mean my Google Home has been listening to my everything I've been saying all weekend? Supposedly. Okay. No, they, well, they say it's not. They say it waits. It's, it's listening for the keyword. Uh-oh. Right? But your phone's listening to you right now, too. That's why you talk about Gillette razors. Tomorrow you'll have a Facebook ad for Gillette razors. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, yeah. You know, they're listening. So I'm going to have to download all my Google da- Google data and actually see what I've said over the last two years. Here's what pisses me <laughs> off about Google. I want to be able to rename my, my Google because I hate saying the word Google. Yeah. I can't, I've realized I can't say Google properly. Right. It just turns into a bit of a mush in the middle. Yeah. Google. Google. <laughs> Google. Especially when you had a few tequila shots. Mm-hmm. Then forget it. Hey, Google. Hold on. <laughs> okay, well, play a black rose. <laughs> wow. That's not at all what happened this weekend at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know. I think so, the Apple fan base, it's going to be interesting to see if they adopt it or well, not. You know, so, you know, the long and the short of it and trying to, to play this impartial, um, because you know we we have been called out for for, mm-hmm. for being a little harsh on Apple, sure. but uh, to be honest, I mean it does sound like they have an uphill battle in terms of uh, of entering the the market with with a digital assistant speaker like this, and it sounds like they're kind of behind. the The first generation of this thing is just not what people um, were expecting. And it sounds yeah. like they're they're kind of underwhelmed by it. Is that is that sort of the the crux of what you've been reading? Yeah. Other than you know the quality of the audio, which is supposed to be quite stellar, you know it. You know I keep coming back to Apple's been watching what the competitors have been doing for the last couple of years, and they come up with this at that price t- at that price point. It was just like, why would anybody spend that money? Well, and especially if somebody is just looking at. Um, trying this out, you know, from a, from an AT perspective, um, you know, if there are people out there that, that think that this could prove to be very useful in their day-to-day life, I mean, our recommendation would be, you know, if it by is, all means, buy a, buy a mini or buy a, a dot that's, that's cheap. You can try, try it out and see how it works for you for 40 bucks. Well, if the HomePod does at some point soon integrate with their home kit, and be able to use your voice to control your lights and stuff like that. That hey, sure, buy a HomePod. But yeah, know. but but honestly, like your uh, the Google, any of the Google devices, or the Google and the Amazon will both do that as well. Yeah. That's not something that's that the HomePod is going to be exclusive. Right, but it would be tied into the Apple ecosystem because HomeKit is Apple's oh, own see. Okay. automation system, right? So there are devices that work with HomeKit that also work with the Amazon Echo and the Google Assistants. So if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you have an Apple TV, you've got the HomePod, you know, you may just want to be buying devices that work with HomeKit and, and stick with that ecosystem. I don't know. I got to be honest, though. I really don't think Apple had any... I think they looked at this and went, you know what, we're too far behind in this. Siri isn't strong enough to be able to compete with, with the Google Assistant. So you know what? Let's just make something for Apple enthusiasts. Let's just make something for people who are, are already... Uh, invested in Apple products, we're not even going to try to compete. Because honestly, a $350 device as opposed to a, you know, the home is is at most, uh, I think, 170 Well, the home Canadian, max. Canadian. If you no. want the max. The home max is, is for $399. Right. But, right. but you can that's also... That's the one that competes with the HomePod. Oh, I see. Okay. Because that's the better speaker that you can sit in the corner and it does its array thing and tells you. I see. Here's a wall. There's a wall. Everywhere. A wall, wall. <laughs> which is I don't know come on who needs that who really needs that Steve needs that well I might need that but, <laughs> but again living in an I apartment do you really need that no heck no I, no. Gotta, I keep telling my Google Home to turn it down all the time and you, if you really wanted to you could buy a, spe- a set of pretty decent quality speakers and attach a Chromecast audio to them and then cast audio from your Google Home to the better quality speakers. Yeah. But still a lot cheaper. Sure. Yeah, but I know we it's interesting. See. It's an interesting market right now. Um, 
So any of our Apple listeners out there, if you buy a HomePod, email us and tell us your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. We'd like to know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be really interesting to hear from somebody who actually got their hands on one uh, when they come. So when, when are they being released? February 9th. February 9th. So there you go. Not too far away. Uh, it'll, be see, it'll be very interesting to see what the, the mass reception is. Yep. Because uh, most of the reviews that I've read, the, uh, people are kind of underwhelmed. You think there will be lineups at the Apple stores for these things? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Mm. I mean, there's always a lineup for, for any. I mean, certainly not, not like, you know, when they release a, an actual phone. But I think there, I mean, certainly there's going to be interest in this thing. I mean, people well, who have lots of money. and It's hard to say because there was also another news article that talked about the iPhone 10 and how Apple isn't seeing the results they were hoping for. So they're cutting back on their manufacturing the iPhone 10 because it wasn't as popular as they hoped it would be. Huh. So probably I think everybody bought the iPhone 8 and they're already working on the next iPhone 10X or 11 or whatever it's going to be called. So yeah, they're cutting back on the iPhone 10 manufacturing. Go figure. Maybe it's that Face ID thing. Well, I did hear something about uh, the next uh, version of iOS that they're working on, I think for the spring, and how there's going to be battery throttling in it. Have you, did you guys hear about that? No, I no. didn't. Yeah, I don't know what uh, I you know because we know all about the the host the battery whole battery gate. battery gate <laughs> the battery controversy. I guess they're they're building something in there that that actually makes that a an option that you can control somehow. Hmm. So uh, you know at least Apple you know learning from their mistakes. Bonus. So you know end on a positive note. <laughs> And now that now that everyone's ears are bleeding, <laughs> somebody who's who has a HomePod in the corner, you just blew off a bunch of their, <laughs> their roofing tiles. Uh, yeah, we should. I I I'm not even going to introduce this. Uh, somebody somebody else take this one. It's too big for me. What, what what is it? I don't even know what it is. What do you, what do you the the big news? Oh, the, the big merger. The, uh, big news in the industry. Oh, well, this the okay. One that so this stunned this, Mr. Barkley. Okay, well, this yes. might be, and this might be a little bit too inside baseball for the majority of our listeners because because it is a little bit, you know, it has to do with the manufacturer and it's a little bit behind the scenes, but we'll we'll run with it anyways. No, it's out in the open now. So, yeah. Uh, last week, some fairly big industry news came down the pipe. Uh, I'm going to turn things over to Mr. Steve Barkley, who can illuminate us. Well, uh, last last week we sat down and we recorded a session with John Dibble from Enhanced Vision Systems. Hey, John. And uh, John talked about the uh, business and, uh, and what it was like at Enhanced Vision. And then John and I went away and ran up to Whistler for a day of snowboarding, which I might add, I should never, ever, ever try and do again. <laughs> stick to diving. Yeah, I will, uh, I will, I will stick to apre everything, apre ski, apre snowboard. Yeah, I'm, I'm good at the drinking parts, not so good at the falling down and then getting back up again parts. Anywho, so, um, so yeah, we had a, we had a nice, uh, nice day up on the slopes and then, uh, sent him back down, took him to the airport, sent him home. Uh, he got home and that night, uh, his boss called him to tell him that, uh, Enhanced Vision Systems had been, uh, acquired by VFO, the same company that now owns, uh, Freedom Scientific, uh, AI Squared, uh, well, the Paciello Group. Uh, yeah, that's right. Paciello Group. GW Micro. GW, well, which GW they discontinued. Micros, yeah, it's yeah. kind of phased out. Um, but, uh, it, uh, oh, and Optilec. Optilec, yes. So... Between those three brands, Freedom Scientific, Optelec, and Enhanced Vision Systems, uh, that seriously makes them by far and away the biggest CCTV company, uh, I would say, in the world at this point. Well, would you, would you, what about blindness as well? Would you, or would you just, just CCTVs at low vision? Well, they didn't acquire anything blindness related through Enhanced Vision Systems. Everything EVS does is, is around low vision. I see. Um, but in North America, EVS had the biggest piece of market share for for the low vision industry. So this this vaults VFO to top spot like immediately. And uh, yeah, so there's there's been uh, obviously a lot of discussion about it. Um, you know, when I originally posted up on my Facebook page about it, um, 
there were some uh, some pretty negative comments, <laughs> and and they're right along the same lines as as we've been hearing from people, um, you know, about uh, a lack of competition, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, people are, you know, people who are Window Eyes users were outraged when Window Eyes got phased out. Yep. They didn't like it when when AI squared got acquired. Um, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of people who, who see this as, as being very concerning. Um, but there's still competition out there. Um, there's, you know, on the screen reader side, there's still the Dolphin product, plus NVDA is a very serious contender these days as a free product. Narrator's getting better. Narrator's getting better. You know, a lot of people switched over to Apple products that have a, a, a perfectly functional screen reader in it. Um, you know, on the, on the low vision side, um, they own both magic and zoom text. Now I imagine one of them will probably get phased out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still the, uh, dolphin supernova, uh, magnifier plus, you know, built in magnification in both windows and iOS as well. So there's competition on that front. And on the CCTV front, there are a ton of manufacturers who are, who are starting to make inroads into the North American market. So there's, there's a number of different Asian manufacturers who have, have started to come in with, mm-hmm. you know, fairly low cost and maybe, you know, you, I, I think some would argue lower quality as well, uh, products, but, but not, that's not always the case. Um, so, you know, there's, um, there, there are some market forces at work. And, uh, you know, there is still going to be competition, uh, in the industry, but, uh, but this definitely gives VFO a big leg up for, uh, for the time being at least. Well, I wonder what happens with their dealer network too. You know, I'm sure time will tell the calls will start going out. You know, VFO is probably going to trim down the number of dealers that they have just like they did when they bought, you know, Freedom Scientific and. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I don't know what to expect on that mm-hmm. front. I mean, what. Uh, what I've been told at this point is that they're going to maintain EVS as a separate brand. Right. And they're going to Hmm. have it operated separately. They're going to keep the EVS name on everything. Um, And if that happens, then, you know, maybe they will maintain their their existing EVS uh, dealer network. But but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. you know, it's 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 really hard to say what what the thinking is here, and and uh, you know what the long term plan is. Well, I wonder. You know, the the other two big boys in in I guess North America, the Hims and the Humanwares, have probably took a step back and go, "Wow, <laughs> now what do we do?" Well, but uh, yeah, but I mean, those are also fairly blindness heavy, and it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the fish that VFO are going after. Not yet. Not yet. You know, humanware's got companies around the world as well, right? So they do low vision products as well as, as blindness. Yeah. And by, by no means are they the, uh, are they the only company out there trying to acquire other, mm-hmm. other companies? You know, there's, um, there, there've been a couple of companies who've taken runs at, uh, Eschenbach, uh, you know, the, the Eschenbach uh, distributes, uh, uh, a lot of optical magnification products, uh, but they're also the North American distributor for a Swedish CCTV company called uh, LVI, um, and uh, they've they've had a couple of big companies take runs at them too. So, you know, there there does seem to be some industry concentration happening right now, and, and some serious serious money behind it. Um, you know, companies like uh, Asselor, who owns Humanware, they're a massive. Um, uh, glasses company amongst other things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, if, if you've ever had, uh, uh, or heard of transition lenses, that's, that's Essilor. That's, they, they make those transition hmm. lenses. Um, but, um, uh, you know, that company Essilor is probably considerably bigger than, than VFO is, right. uh, with, with much deeper pockets. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the companies backing these assistive technology companies now are really big mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's some money to be uh, to be thrown around from them um, which can be a good thing because you know if there's development money right there there gets to be more more unique and and uh, interesting types of assistive technology uh, which 
they're going to need to have if they're going to yep. survive because mm -hmm. the mainstream is coming for them. Yeah. You know, the, the, very the, true. the mainstream screen readers are, are coming after the, the, the Jaws market. The mainstream magnifiers are coming after the Zoom text market. The, you know, the, uh, there may very well be, uh, in short order, a mainstream CCTV system from, you know, uh, like look at uh, Samsung. They just released a, uh, a head-worn uh, large print system for uh, that'll compete with the things like the eSight glasses and the Geordi glasses wow. that are out there and right. considerably cheaper because it's based around a, a cell phone and a, and a uh, virtual reality headset that's being mass produced. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with these dedicated AT companies over over the next few years because it's not going to be an easy road to uh, walk down I don't think for them that's interesting you know I, I didn't even think about that but I mean and I'm sure you know enhanced vision I'm sure they have you know a, a fairly large um, research and development arm um, and yeah plugging plugging some money into that uh, right now innovation is king yeah that's yeah, really what you know and especially a, a company that's that's exclusively assistive technology they need some big innovation money because you're right. You're absolutely right. Mainstream is coming after them. A lot of the mainstream companies aren't just being legislated to, you know, to be inclusive or to sort of build in uh, accessibility functionality. They're realizing slowly but surely, and this is a good thing, uh, that for the end user, uh, that... Um, you know, accessibility is can be a very, very successful business model. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it, it's starting to be viewed as a critical feature, which is really what what needs to happen. It needs to be, you know, built into pretty much every device right from the ground up. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's different facets to all that. I mean, there is a cost to to the idea of inclusion, and and as as great as as inclusion is it's going to have a cost on accessibility technology companies yep and you know there's there's certainly people out there um who who are going to applaud that you know yep um there's uh there's a lot of people out there who um are uh, indignant about the amount of money that they've had to spend on accessibility over <laughs> over the last bunch of years. Sure. And, uh, you know, um, yeah. That's, well, I can understand it. I mean, so you, know, it. you know, if you have to buy, if you're buying mainstream devices and then you also have to buy something AT related in order to make those mainstream devices function for you, that's, that's unfair. And, it, you know, and I can totally understand how that's frustrating. Um, especially when you're talking historically about a segment of society who not only have to, you know, they, they, they have a disability, but they also might not have the funds to be able to, to purchase that add-on. So, I mean, there's, you know, inclusion is certainly a, um, an important factor in this, but at the same time, I don't know, I feel like a company that, that focuses on accessibility is going to be able to innovate faster than a mainstream company who is just building in, um, baking in some sort of accessibility features well, into there. Depends on how many resources that mainstream company throws at it, right? Right. You know, tradi yeah. traditionally it's been, you know, kind of a, an add-on, but of late we're starting to see major resources going into accessibility. You know, serious, serious coin, you know, serious development, additional employees, additional staffing levels. You know, it, it's... Um, it's growing, and uh, that's great. It's a, that's a good thing. But it, it will be a challenge for traditional AT companies, you know, my own included. Um, you know, we, we've got to find ways to, to innovate if we're going to continue. And we may find ourselves being, you know, at the end of the day, after a certain number of years, we may become irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of people harp that they want mainstream technologies to become more and more accessible. And... You know, I, I totally applaud the mainstream doing what they are doing, but I think we need to put our money where our mouth is as well. You know, it's okay to whine, bitch, and moan that, you know, oh, my TV's not accessible or it doesn't, it doesn't have talking menus. But there are companies, as of even last year, Philips 2017 line of Blu-ray players came up with accessibility features like talking menus. So 
if we aren't out there supporting these mainstream companies with our dollars, what's the incentive for these mainstream companies to keep building accessibility and when sure. nobody's adopting it? Sure. Right. It's, 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 you can't have it both ways. Yeah, it's a fair point. So go out there and buy yourself a Philips Blu-ray player. I've been trying. What do you mean you've been trying? I've called Philips twice and they can't tell me where to buy one. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, their marketing is really awful. Jeez. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, well. Same with some Sony Bravia TVs. They're running Android OS so you can install TalkBack. Right. And now you're talking smart TV. We'll tell you the Netflix app and that's, the YouTube app and the, oh, that's pretty the, slick. The, the cable listings guide will talk. So certain models, you know, so we need to, we need to support these mainstream companies with our money and, you know, show them we appreciate their efforts. You know what we should do? We should really do a show where we just talk about uh, some of the different mainstream products uh, that have some accessibility baked in. Just just almost as a, a great of, idea. A, of an informational show and, and out there because... Yeah, there's some there's some great work being done, but you know you generally don't hear about it because a lot of these companies don't know how to market mm-hmm. that. But yeah, we should well, let's let's start making a list and and uh, checking it twice. Yeah, find out who's naughty and nice. Yeah, we'll get Ken S Tech to give us some demo dollars, buy some demo gear, <laughs> and, and then we'll then we'll give it away as prizes. I love Brian. <laughs> Brian's mind goes right there. Yeah, right? it's just like. No, I, we can't just talk about it. We need to we use need demos. It. I need it. Yeah. I need okay. yeah. the guitar right. dungeon. Right. So do some no, live demos. No payroll next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, scrap the demo idea. <laughs> I need payroll. <laughs> oh, hey, here's one. Uh, so SpaceX has set a February launch date for the new Falcon Heavy. The Falcon Heavy is going to be the world's largest booster when it uh, when it takes off. It's made up of three of the uh, SpaceX boosters. I thought they just launched that last week. Uh, no, they they test uh, test fired the engines. They didn't oh, okay. launch it. They, okay. they, they they were clamped down. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, oh sorry, it won't be the most powerful. The uh, Saturn V is still the most powerful. Uh, but it'll be able to deliver big, um, big payroll, uh, pay- payroll, <laughs> big, got payroll on my mind now. Right? Excellent. Uh, it'll be able to deliver big payloads up into space. And the first one, uh, is, uh, is going to send a cherry red Tesla Roadster <laughs> from, uh, Elon Musk's personal collection into deep space. More space junk. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Why? What? <laughs> yeah, he's, they're, they're firing a car into space. <laughs> Why not? You know? uh, I, well, I, see, that's just so, so human of us. Just <laughs> let's just shoot shit into space. That just let's just junk it up. Yeah. Anyway, so so okay. Yeah, go ahead. So these three boosters, they're going to fire up there. They're going to drop off and uh, land again. All three of them. On uh, on platforms the same way that the SpaceX rockets have been have been doing for the last little while, but this mm. time there will be three of them landing at the same time instead Whoa. of just one. Uh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, if it works. Actually, even if it doesn't work, it'll be amazing because it'll be, it'll be great to watch. <laughs> yeah, lots of explosions, like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. So the the, the question that's been asked is, what happens if it explodes? And, Neatness. Uh, and and so far the answer that's come back is it'll probably destroy Musk's Tesla. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hmm. yeah, that's exciting. I'm telling you, next next twenty years is gonna be kinda cool. We're gonna have we're gonna have driverless cars. We could have this renewable rocket thing happening that's gonna be a completely stable and reliable method of space travel not that we have anywhere to go where are we going to go with well you know musk's whole approach to spacex has been really interesting because he almost bankrupted himself um creating that company he put his own money into it after after he sold paypal he sunk his own money into this into this company and uh he has stated from the outset that um he wants to put men on mars that's the goal of this company. Hmm. So 
you know, mm. this is this is one more step towards being able to put the kinds of payloads into space that you would need to launch a Mars mission. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I just feel like that could be just a giant waste of time. Because, I don't know, there's nothing on Mars. What, what are we going to do on Mars? Well, we aren't going to do anything. The next generation might. What are they going to do on <laughs> Mars? There, there's nothing to do there. There's resources to extract. There's, uh, you know, they, they could build suitable uh, habitats there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the human human life could could actually grow on Mars um, with the with the right technologies. And uh, if you know. if you really want to get uh, fancy about it, uh, <laughs> you could terraform Mars. Ugh. We've got a perfectly good planet here. It works. It's great. You don't have to terraform nothing, and yeah. we're destroying it. Yeah, but we're buggering it up. So you know, well, but let's, yeah, let's but that's go, not the solution. Let's, let's get out go to bugger up planet. another planet. Start with a fresh slate. That's right. Start <laughs> no. with a fresh slate. Bugger up another planet. <laughs> See, I think that's the wrong response to this. Next, we're gonna bugger up Jupiter. Exactly. We got we got nine shots at this. Once we get out to Pluto, that's gonna be a real bitch to terraform. But they haven't even gone back to the moon. Pluto's a long shot. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about the moon. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could populate the moon. No, you can't. It, but the moon is literally there's no atmosphere. <laughs> I remember this from Science well, Ten. Yeah, they could have a. There's an, nothing we can do on the moon. We'd have to go. You can't create your own atmosphere. I don't know. Maybe. Sure, sure you can. Sure, that's what the space station is, right? It's a lot of work. Why don't we just stop? <laughs> just. Why don't we just stop polluting the planet and limit our uh, population? Yeah, I mean, I don't because know. Because we're stupid. Yes, maybe we, we could just, okay, fine. Let's terraform Mars, and then we'll put all the people who want to pollute a planet over to Mars. Let them move. Donald Trump and all his coal mining buddies can go to Mars. Mine all the coal you want, guys. Go right. crazy. Leave us and the polar bears alone. It's not enough oxygen there. It doesn't burn right. Uh, okay, we've got, <laughs> I have no idea if that's going to stay in or not. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right. Um, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? The usual place, www.atbanter.com. They can also email us. I forgot to check the email uh, this week. Have you been checking it? Yeah, there's nothing there. Okay. Well, don't say that. Just say <laughs> we just <laughs> we've been so busy we can't possibly read all the email that we got this week. Well, we got one email. Uh, anyways, uh, where were we? Okay, so yeah, uh, they can also email us if they so desire. Atbanterpodcast at gmail dot com. And rumor has it we're on Facebook and Twitter as well. Indeed. Yep. Uh, hey, Steve. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Well, people can find me if they want to email me. They can email me at steve at com or find my website at www.canastech.com. Uh, and, of course, we also have our other sponsor, uh, Rick from Chaos Technical Services, who does all them fancy-dancy repairs of uh, assistive technology for people all across the country. Uh, and Rick can be found at uh, chaostechnicalservices.com, that's C-H-A-O-S, technicalservices.com, or emailed at chaostech at shaw.ca. Uh, You've been Rob Minot. Oh, yeah, right. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I completely blanked. I was like, what do we do next? <laughs> Is there something more? <laughs> can tell it's Monday. Uh, yes, I have been Rob Minot. And I've been Ryan Fleury. And I remain Steve Barkley. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com.